Russians call him notorious. Marxists hate him. You're listening to Peter List and Union Free Radio. Thanks for tuning in to LaborUnionReport.com's Union Free Radio, where we are shedding the light on today's unions. I'm your host, Peter List. Our numbers are 888-668-6466. That's 1-888-NO-UNION. Or you can reach out on Twitter, Workplace Report. That's Workplace RPT. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! You know, common sense should not be a partisan issue. However, as Stephen Covey once said, what is common sense isn't common practice. This seems to be especially true in places like California and Washington, D.C., and a few other places these days where unions and their bought-and-paid-for politicians are pushing poisonous bills like the PRO Act. Last week, after doing Union Free Radio's episode about the five things people hate about the PRO Act, a young lady who shall remain nameless right now said she didn't quite get the part about the PROACT's ABC test and how it's a bad thing for the gig economy and its workers. So we're devoting this entire episode of Union Free Radio to her. Right now, according to a recent survey, 80% of freelancers are worried about the PROACT. And they should be. Frankly, as I covered in the five things people hate about the PROACT episode here on Union Free Radio, most Americans should be worried about the PROACT. Unless, of course, you're a union boss or one of the politicians beholden to union bosses. However, before we get to the PROACT's ABC test and the devastation it's likely to cause if it's ever put into law, let's lay the foundation and define what a gig economy is. To do that, we're turning to whatis.com's definition of gig economy. A gig economy is a free market system in which temporary positions are common and organizations hire independent workers for short-term commitments. The term gig is a slang word for a job that lasts a specified period of time and is typically used by musicians. Examples of gig employees in the workforce could include work arrangements such as freelancers, independent contractors, project-based workers, and temporary or part-time hires. There has been a trend toward a gig economy in recent years. There are a number of forces behind the rise in short-term jobs. For one, the workforce is becoming more mobile and work can increasingly be done remotely via digital platforms. As a result, job and location are being decoupled. That means that freelancers can select among temporary jobs and projects around the world, while employers can select the best individuals for specific projects from a larger pool than what's available in any given area. Companies, gig workers, and consumers all make up the gig economy. The types of organizations that the gig economy can apply to range from technical positions to transportation positions. That was an excerpt from whatis.com's definition of the gig economy. And by the way, if you're listening to this episode of Union Free Radio on Spotify or any of the other platforms, you can read the whole thing by going to the links below this episode or under this episode at laborunionreport.com or redstake.com. You are listening to Union Free Radio. Now, it's important to note that not all gig workers, or freelancers as they're called, are full-time gig workers, which is why they represent such a large part of the American workforce. 
Some of them may have part-time gigs or side gigs like freelance writers, part-time real estate agents, hairdressers, landscapers, musicians, or translators while they work at a full-time job for some other employer. Often they use these side gigs to supplement the income from their full-time jobs. Some may only do part-time gigs because they have other commitments like child care or elder care, and they need the flexibility of that full-time jobs don't give them. Right now, there are an estimated 57 million freelancers or gig workers in the gig economy, and they comprise 35% of the U.S. workforce. That's according to a study conducted by Upwork and, ironically, the Freelancers Union that was released back in 2019. Here's a few more data points for you. According to Upwork's 2020 Independent Workforce Report, 75% of the independent contractors who left employers to freelance say they make the same or more money now. According to CNBC, freelancers doing skilled services earn a median rate of $28 an hour, earning per more per hour than 70% of the workers in the overall U.S. economy. On top of that, 51% of freelancers say no amount of money would entice them to take a traditional job. A 2017 Bureau of Labor Statistics release stated that 79% of independent contractors prefer to retain their independent status over being employees. In other words, for the majority, gig work is a choice. Sort of like my body, my work, my choice, right? Unfortunately, though, many of those 57 million gig workers are in jeopardy of losing their gigs if the PRO Act passes and is signed into law by President Biden. Now, I'm going to share a quick story with you that at first may seem like it has nothing to do with the PRO Act, but stay with me. You'll probably see the irony of this as well. Several years ago, a good friend of mine named Andy was visiting the Union Free Radio compound for a few days, and one morning Andy and I were having coffee. Now, Andy's very much into tech and gadgets, and as we are talking, he said something interesting, which I'll summarize. He goes, you know, the whole purpose of Uber and these ride-sharing companies is not to be taxi companies, right? Why do you think all the massive amounts of investments are going into Uber? And I said, I have no idea. He said, because they're using drivers to map out all the streets around the world to go into self-driving cars. And at the time, I wasn't sure I should believe Andy or not. Yet just a couple of weeks after his visit, I saw an article about Mercedes-Benz having just completed its successful test on a self-driving tractor trailer. And again, that was several years ago. Since then, the articles about self-driving cars has multiplied tenfold. So here's a little tidbit. Did you know that the valuations of Uber have fluctuated from roughly $60 billion to $90 billion? Now, that's a pretty high valuation for a taxi company that hasn't even turned a profit yet and doesn't even own the cars its drivers drive, right? So here's the problem. In the big cities, Uber, Lyft, and other ride-sharing companies have been what's called market disruptors to the century-old model of taxi cabs and public transportation, like city buses and subways, much of which is unionized by a multitude of different unions as are the mechanics who fix the taxis, buses, and subway cars. That's driven down prices as well as cost union members jobs. And we've seen this in other industries, but in, in the ride-sharing industry, in New York City, for example, 
the value of taxi medallions, which the city issues in limited quantities, plummeted from 1.3 million in 2014 to less than 200,000 four years later in 2018, according to the Institute of Policy Studies. You know what else are market disruptors? Companies like Amazon, Walmart, Whole Foods, and a, a slew of others. Personal computers, for example. When Steve Jobs introduced the personal computer, you know whose industry was affected? Secretaries. Now, for unions, here's the rub. Like Amazon, Walmart, and Whole Foods, and and a few others, very few, if any, Uber drivers pay union dues. The mechanics at Jiffy Lube, for example, who changed the oil for your Uber drivers, if the drivers don't do it themselves, are likely to be union-free. As rideshare drivers are all independent contractors, for most, while they can form associations, formally unionizing would be futile since a company can't be required to deal with a union of independent contractors under the National Labor Relations Act. The law was written and specifically requires an employer to deal with actual employees or the representatives, not independent contractors. And that's a problem. You see, with independent contractors, unions can't collect union dues. With the average Uber driver making nearly $20 an hour, if a union, say, like the Teamsters, could unionize Uber, for example, the union could could potentially collect 50 bucks a month in union dues per driver, which with 1 million drivers would mean $50 million a month or $600 million a year. Heck, with that kind of money, the Teamsters could replace the Marble Palace outside their Washington, D.C. headquarters with 24-karat gold plating. Now, keep Uber and self-driving cars in the back of your mind for a few minutes as we turn to California's AB5 and its background and the Democrats' PRO Act in Washington. Let me set the stage. In California, there's a union organizer turned state politician named Lorena Gonzalez who decided to craft some legislation with the help of her union buddies. She's a Democrat and obviously very tight due to her background with the unions in California, who, by the way, control the state legislature. Now, as background, in 2018, California's state Supreme Court issued a decision, and the decision was called Dynamex, which involved a a same-day courier service and whether whether its drivers were independent contractors or employees. Now, in its ruling, the court established what is known as an ABC test to determine what is an independent contractor versus what is an employee in the state of California. Remember, this is just for the state of California. Well, in 2019, Ms. Gonzalez and her pro-union buddies in the California state legislature decided to take aim at companies like Uber and Lyft and other market-disrupting companies, which had been causing the union's grief for quite a while because... They rely on the independent contractor model. And so they codified or put into law the Dynamex ABC test. The problem is, in their zeal, instead of using a rifle approach, they'd used a shotgun approach and wrote a very broad-based bill called Assembly Bill 5, or AB5. That reportedly impacted more than 150 professions. Now, Once Ms. Gonzalez and her comrades wrote and passed AB5 in the California State Legislature, Governor Gavin Newsom, whom a lot of people know about and have heard in the news over the last year or so, happily signed it into law. And officially, the ABC test became the law of the land. 
Under the ABC test, in order to classify a worker as an independent contractor and not an employee, there's a three-part test. And as the name infers, and this is the important part, the three parts, part A, part B, and part C, state the following. Part A, the individual is free from control and direction in connection with the performance of the service, both under the contract for the performance of service, and in fact, part B, the service is performed outside the usual course of the business of the employer. And part C, the individual is customarily engaged in an independently established trade, occupation, profession, or business of the same nature as that involved in the service performed, end quote. Now, the ABC tests burden of proof that a worker is an independent contractor and not an employee, by the way, is on the contracting company. And if you noticed, I emphasized as I read that the word and. AB, AB5 has three parts or the ABC test has three parts. And because it doesn't say either or, it's not just one or two of the hoops that the contracting company has to jump through, but all three. If the contracting company cannot prove that the independent contractor doesn't meet not one, not two, but all three of those requirements, then the individual is not independent. And either A, the company must hire the individual as an employee, which adds to the company's payroll, requires the company to provide benefits and workers' comp and pay payroll taxes and all the other stuff that employers do for employees, or in the alternative, B, the company could just stop using that individual's services. Well, in California, many companies chose the latter. And according to Larry Bull at businessinsider.com, part B of the ABC test is where many independent contractors went through the buzzsaw. If you're in the same business as a client, you must be an employee. And presumably, the company would hire you, even if you're You've only been putting in a few hours of work a week for them. Yet instead, most employers are just not working with California freelancers anymore. End quote. So let's see if we can break down part B a little bit. Let's say hypothetically that uh, somebody named Hank has a helicopter service. So we'll call it Hank's Helicopter Service. And he gives tours of the island of Oahu. Well, if Hank has need and he decides to hire Bob on a, on a freelance basis and Bob's a pilot and he's going to fly some folks around Oahu, well, under Part B, because Bob's a pilot and Hank's helicopter service needs pilots, and even though it's not regular, it's just a few hours here or there, Bob would be one of Hank's employees and Hank would have to pay his payroll taxes, his workers' comp, and etc. Or let's say there's Steve, and Steve's a hairstylist, and Sally's salon needs hairstylists, but there's not enough to hire Steve as an employee. Well, if Sally's hair salon decides to use Steve, or if Steve rents out Sally's chair once in a while, Steve would basically be one of Sally's employees, no longer freelance. Although the law didn't take effect until uh, January 2020, its effects were immediately felt across the state. And again, over 150 professions were reportedly impacted, and that ranged from personal trainers to translators and even uh, professional truck drivers who were owner-operators. 
Even before the law went into effect, Vox Media announced the layoffs of hundreds of freelance writers in California, and that made big news. Thousands of Californians who once made a good living as independent contractors or freelancers, they saw their work drying up as companies stopped using them. Even musicians who originally coined the term gig reportedly lost their gigs. And the public backlash was swift. Protesters protested outside of Lorena Gonzalez's office and at rallies where she was speaking. Here's a couple of examples. Trucking operators outside the office of Assemblywoman Lorena Gonzalez. Gonzalez authored Bill AB5, and protesters argue it disproportionately hurts independent business owners and contractors. Most of us are own one truck and we operate it ourselves. Most of us, uh, this is this is work for us. This is not a big business. This is just a one man operation for most of us and uh and we're here because they're taking that away ab5 will take away our freedom to choose and have a broker protesters maintain they're not against- here's a couple more victims of ab5 now infamous assembly bill 5 a piece of legislation they say has ruined their lives. How illiterate can you be for you not to realize that it says repeal AB5? Gloria Rivera, a translator and interpreter, successfully operating as an independent contractor until she says AB5 began discouraging potential employers. They're not willing to risk it. You know, when you're a, when you're a translator, you don't need someone that's specifically in California. The gig economy law demands that companies hire freelancers as employees eligible for employment benefits. But freelancers say lawmakers fail to plan for the unintended consequences. I have been a freelance artist for over 30 years, and I feel that my that my dignity has been violated. Elizabeth Tobias is teaming up with thousands like her on the Facebook group Freelancers Against AB5. People from 150 different industries saying they're now out of work. You know, so many people lost their freelance gigs as a result of AB5 that there's actually a website called AB5 Personal Stories that alphabetizes the professions of the people that lost those gigs and who share their stories. And just like everything else I'm sharing with you on Union Free Radio, you can access the links to all of this stuff. And actually, there's more um, just by going below this podcast. Even the normally left-leaning Washington Post published a piece entitled How a Law Aimed at Uber and Lyft is Hurting Freelance Writers. So what happened was, with public pressure pressure mounting in early 2020, Gonzalez and her comrades were forced to update AB5 to exempt certain professions. And the LA Times reported that, quote, dozens of them, them being the exceptions to exemptions to AB5, have been granted, including for doctors, lawyers, insurance brokers, some freelance writers, and commercial fishermen. Newspaper carriers won a last-minute exemption for one year. But among truckers, only those who tow disabled vehicles or haul building construction material obtained exemptions, end quote. Basically, what Gonzalez and her comrades did is they picked and chose which professions and industries would be exempt under their onerous AB5. However, their primary target, which are rideshare companies, or which were the rideshare companies, Uber and Lyft, were still in their crosshairs. So in 2020... 
um, Uber and Lyft financed and pushed heavily a voter referendum, uh, which was called Prop 22, which essentially exempted both Uber and Lyft and any other rideshare company from AB5, and it passed in November. And so with the updates to AB5 that Gonzalez and, and the legislature had pushed through, as well as the passage of Prop 22, AB5 was effectively neutered. And with them gutting AB5, the voters as well as you know the exemptions, what happened was it, it set Gonzalez and her comrades back a couple steps, but that wasn't for long. Here's Gonzalez after Prop 22 passed and AB5 was effectively gutted. Assemblywoman Gonzalez, thanks so much for joining me. I want to start with Prop 22. You know, the whole country was watching this one. You introduced AB5, which reclassified many gig workers from independent contractors to full-time employees with benefits. But this past election cycle, Prop 22 passed, which essentially reverses that for app-based transportation and delivery companies like Uber and Lyft. How did you feel about that? Well, just a little clarification, what AB5 did was um, really codified what the Supreme Court had already said. Um, in, in April of 2018, they passed the Dynamex decision. It was about delivery drivers. They said, hey, these workers are, are truly employees. The problem with the Dynamex decision is it only allowed workers to pursue um, their rights through court. And so we codified it and also gave um, the ability of the attorney general and, and to local city attorneys and DAs to go after these companies injunctively um, to make them stop misclassifying workers. And we saw we saw DAs and city attorneys and the AG do that. Um, what they were able to do is spend over $220 million um, to really confuse the issue for regular voters. I mean, the exit polls are clear. People thought that they were um, actually giving something to, to drivers, uh, giving them a better wage, giving them more protections, and in fact, they weren't. So this is an ongoing battle. It, it's not going to end here. Uh, obviously, it's a federal issue, and we have a president-elect who was very clear in his platform um, that he intended to give gig workers um, employee status. And, and allow them the opportunity to get basic workplace protections like unemployment insurance and social security. I expect that uh, a President Biden is going to be uh, good on his word for that. So what Gonzalez is really saying is that she and her union comrades are kicking the ball up to the federal level. And in February, for the second time in as many years, the U.S. House of Representatives passed the Poisonous Pro Act, which along with its many other dangerous components, contains the disastrous ABC test. However, unlike the California bill, AB5, in the Federal PRO Act, there are no exemptions for what constitutes an independent contractor versus an employee. Now, while the PRO Act is currently stalled in the U.S. Senate, thanks to the filibuster and three other Democrats that aren't on board yet, unions and their allies are using bullying tactics to try to push the three Democrat holdouts. Headline Washington Examiner. Unions are bullying Democrats into giving them more power. Quote, in a recent private call, union leaders told the Senate Democrats campaign arm not to expect assistance in future elections unless they rally behind the passing the Freelance Job Killing Pro Act, writes Hannah Cox. 
Reportedly, the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades was among the groups on the call, and Politico sources say the, the union made it clear to current Democratic holdouts, namely Senators Mark Kelly, Kristen Sinema, and Mark Warner, that they will not give money to lawmakers who are not in favor of the bill. Ms. Cox goes on to write, For decades, organized labor has been one of the top financial backers of the DNC. Unions gave a whopping $27.5 million to the Biden-Harris 2020 campaign and other supportive groups. In response, Democrats have been applying heavy pressure on the remaining Senate no votes. Union activists posted outside Warner's home for weeks, steadily delivering cakes with pro-act messages made by union backers. End quote. Remember the story of my friend Andy who told told me the purpose of Uber was to eventually go to self-driving cars? Here's the ironic part of that story. Headline 2018 from Wired.com. A bet on Uber is a bet on self-driving. Quote, Uber is scheduled to go public Friday at an initial valuation of $82 billion, the largest for an IPO since 2014. But its future may rest on eliminating drivers. Quote, we believe that autonomous vehicle technologies will enable a product that competes with the cost of a personal vehicle ownership and usage and represents the future of transportation, the company wrote in its prospectus. Inter-robot taxis, though, and the sea change Uber once promised, no more personal cars for anyone could perhaps come to pass, especially in high-density cities, end quote. Here's the ironic part. If the PRO Act ever gets signed into law, for all the union politicians targeting Uber and Lyft and their, the other rideshare companies and their efforts to someday unionize those drivers, well, eventually there won't be any drivers left to pay union dues. Yet the rest of us will be stuck with the PRO Act's job-killing provisions. Oh, and by the way, you remember my friend Andy? Do you know what he did during the pandemic when everybody else was staying inside? He decided to go to work driving Uber and Lyft while a lot of those drivers decided to stay home. And he made a killing. Well, that's it for another episode of Union Free Radio. I'm your host, Peter List. You can find me on Twitter at Workplace Report. That's Workplace RPT. Or give us a call at 1-888-668-6466. That's 1-888-NO-UNION. You can learn more about the PROACT by going to proactfacts.org. And also be sure to check out fightforfreelancersusa.com. Thanks for listening. You are listening to Union Free Radio.